Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I'm really excited today to explore a topic that I find fascinating. Um, We're gonna be talking about human design and we're gonna be speaking with Amy Lee. Amy was introduced to human design in 2009 and has been deeply immersed in living according to her design and studying the system through many teachers, friends, family, clients, and her own contemplation. As a professional analyst and teacher, Amy balances transmitting the human design information with presence and attunement to guide others in becoming aware of how both natural characteristics and conditioned motivations are expressed through the body, voice, and emotions. She's guided by her intuitive awareness and commitment to the essence of each person, whole, resourced, and capable. Love it. Welcome, Amy. Thank you. Hi, Adriana. Great to be here. Great to be here with you. Um, As always on the show, I like to start by asking my guests to tell us a little bit about themselves, how you came into this work, um, the impact it's had on your life. Let Mm. us know a little bit more about you. Well, I guess I would say uh, I, in terms of human design, for anybody out there who may know anything about it, I have a very open design. So there's a certain kind of nature in me that can really absorb and reflect whoever I'm with and wherever I am. So from a really young age, I would say I was sort of like a performer, um, chameleon, kind of could go into different situations and play the part and um, sense what people responded to and what was expected and, and kind of roll with that. I ended up going to engineering school um, for college and really was not a good fit for me, but I had a bit of a scientific mind and I thought that would be practical, but it really, it really kind of burnt me out and took me to a place where I got to see that I couldn't go this sort of normal straight and narrow path. It just wasn't going to work for me. So I wandered around, I traveled quite a bit. I explored a lot of different systems. I was always very curious in the nature of things, why we are the way we are. I was always studying people from a young age. I did some psychic work, energy work uh, early in my twenties. I studied meditation and did some teaching with that for a while. And then I started to get curious about this whole emotional experience of being human and moved more into studying some somatic psychotherapy modalities and was really close to pulling the trigger on going to school to become an MFT in California. And then I found human design and I found it the same year that I had my daughter, my only child. And it really just grabbed me. And there was something about it that you know, I tried to put it down at first because I was like, I don't need another system. I don't wanna try to absorb you know, something else. But the more I sat with it and used it to look at what was going on around me, it became this map that really seemed to pull everything together. 
it addressed all these different pieces, you know, the spiritual, the energetic, the emotional, the mechanical, the relationship dynamics. And it just became something really profound. And then I couldn't put it down anymore. And it just kind of sucked me right in. So now I've been doing that for the, for the last good number of years. And, and it's the core of the work that I do. And I, I love it. Wonderful. So for those listeners and viewers who don't know what human design is, can you tell us a little bit about it, how the system got developed and what it is? It's a, some people would call it a revealed knowledge. So it's a whole body of knowledge that was downloaded into the man who discovered it. And that was back in about 1987, I think. And the way that he received it was as this synthesis of many aspects of different ancient teachings, the I Ching, astrology, um, both Western and Vedic, and uh, the Kabbalah, the chakra system, which is uh, different in the human design map than it is uh, as it's understood in the Hindu Brahmin system, and had with it a lot of correlations with scientific theory, biology, um, psychology, and it kind of came through to him. And he he said that, you know, people have referred to him as sort of the founder or creator of human design. And he he would say he was its first student. He was really just the first student of human design because it was kind of given to him in that way. Mm-hmm. Cool. And who was this person that came up with it? He, his, uh, he was born as um, Robert Krakauer and he became Ra Uruhu is the name that he went by in his, in his later life. And he spent the rest of his life since 1987 teaching and structuring and translating everything that he had received so that it could be taught and spread and understood by others. And he died in 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So he really, um, he really, uh, I, w- I almost want to say he, he was like the vessel maybe for like yeah. some information to come, right? Yeah. From, yeah. from other realms. Yeah. I think so many, it's so fascinating to hear like how these systems get created because a lot of times it is, it's like coming from some other spirit, maybe a spiritual place. I mean, we don't, it's hard to verbalize that exactly, but like um, so many people like that wasn't there necessarily, I'm going to do this, that they didn't set out. To create something like this it just sort of came to them in a moment in a meditation in a spiritual awakening of some mm-hmm. sort so I, I love hearing about that and and for you as well being drawn to this work so tell us more in depth so wh- how do we uh people have a chart right based mm-hmm. on the date and time of their birth and then from there what what do we find out about a person well it's a very rich deep map. So, and that's how I think of it. It's a, it's a very highly detailed and logical map that is constructed based on the moment of our birth and the place of our birth. And then it has all of these pathways that it shows us in terms of how the body functions, um, how our energy tends to function, what our energy field is like. Um, it shows a lot about the themes that we're here to explore and to express the gifts that we carry. I like to think of it as something that shows us a lot of detail about what our natural endowment is. I call it our, our natural endowment as we come into this life, just the things that we're sort of given and that come naturally and easy, easily to us. Um, and then we also get to see uh, 
the interaction between what's natural to us, what we are, and uh, the openness in us, which really allows us to be conditioned and uh, interactive with the world around us. One of the things that human design does really beautifully through that map, I think, is that it not only shows us something about what our nature is um, and, and how our energy functions, how we feel, how we think, all of, all of these kind of um, basic functions, but it also can really show us how our conditioned mind will tend to work. And that's often an aspect of the map that's really fascinating to people because it can pinpoint pretty well uh, what our sort of mental distractions and obsessions tend to be, and also the things that will tend to be our sort of pain points or sensitive points in relation to others. So it reveals a lot about the health of our bodies, the health of our minds and spirits. It reveals a lot about the mechanics of relationship. Uh, Ra called it the uh, mechanics of the Maya. So it kind of shows what these sort of underlying energy dynamics are in this material world we're living in. Um, and um, it's also still, even though I think it's the most comprehensive and, and valuable map that I've ever found, it is still just a map. And um, one of the things I love about it is that it's put forth not as a belief system or as something to aspire to or model ourselves to, but it was really put forth as, look, here's this map. This is what it shows about you. Um, here are a few bits of guidance that it offers based on what you're working with here. Now, if you want, if it feels right for you, go play with it and see if you can verify it for yourself. Because I can tell you what this thing on this map means, but only you would be able to go out and verify uh, what that experience is for you and whether or not it feels true. So um, definitely not a belief system though. Some people will use it that way. That's not, that's not. What yeah. It yeah. So, oh my God, there's so many things I want to ask you about based on what you just said. And one of them is that, um, I early on, for example, was very drawn to astrology and mm -hmm. was curious and I'm like, wow, there's so much like amazing information in here. But, um, I started getting a little bit in question around, is this limiting people? Cause I would listen to the way they would talk about, well, I'm like this because I'm a Sagittarius and my moon is in Libra and that's why I'm the way that I am. And they come, it's almost like they come to a conclusion about that. Like I'm defined by this and therefore um, I'm, that'll never change. That's just like, mm -hmm. that's who I am. It's almost like they put a label on themselves yeah. and then there's no room to grow beyond that. So, so how do you, how do you tackle that issue in human design? Cause I'm sure many clients come with that same kind of like, okay, well now this is who I am. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the things that's beautiful about, about human designer that I love about it is that it's, it's very Taoist in nature. So it has this sort of underlying philosophy that says there is, there are certain principles at play in our natural world. And it's not necessarily seeking to try to defy those things. So it's kind of like gravity is gravity we could get in a room and get really spiritual and try to bend spoons and defy gravity. And, you know, that's a whole sort of create your own reality orientation to life that, that some people can go into. This is more about getting to see that we are limited in some ways, but the way limitation is viewed in human design is, uh, 
more as like a fixed gift that you've been given. So if you were born in this life with a blue sword, you know, a, a, that could do certain things and it was attached to your hand, like you couldn't get rid of it unless you cut your arm off. You could come in and say, well, I don't want to be limited by having a blue sword. I don't want a blue sword. I want to, you know, I want something else, you know. Many people will do that with certain characteristics they carry before they even get to really discover and find out what that sword can do, what that gift actually has the potential of being able to do. Mm -hmm. It's almost like rejecting a gift or rejecting a present that's been wrapped for you and handed to you before you even opened it mm -hmm. to see what it is. So the potential of human design is to be able to say, you know, a lot of us are told that we're supposed to sort of come into the world and create our lives and make life whatever we want it to be. This map is something that says, well, there may be a bunch of things that you've actually already been given. And this life may not be so much about having to create everything. It may be a more about getting to receive and getting mm -hmm. to see and getting to find out what is this journey like in this particular form with these particular characteristics that I, that I was born with. Mm -hmm. And that's where this, it's not a belief system becomes really important because then it's saying, you don't want to be limited by that. Cool. Throw it away. Mm -hmm do whatever you want. It's your life. You know, I'll, I'll, in classes, sometimes people will say, oh, well, if I'm a this or I'm a that, then can I do this? And can I do that? And I would say, it's your life. Do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> do, do whatever you want. And especially if I say something to you and you think that's not me, I don't want to be that. I don't like that. That doesn't fit. Cool. Either throw it out or go, go, go experiment in your life and see. You know, one of the things that human design will often say for, for most charts is wait and don't initiate. And a lot of people will say, I don't want to wait and I want to initiate. There's all kinds of stuff I want to do. I'm busy. I want to get going. I want to make it happen. Cool. Then do that and, and see how it goes for you. But if you're interested in trying something different, you could try, wait, don't initiate and see what life brings you. Mm. Interesting. And, then, and then you verify it for yourself, you know? So yeah, there is limitation, I think, in design is one, is one way that we would look at it, but it, it's uh, seen as a, a gift. You know, I love that. And I love that too, in the spirit, I think of the show, because, um, you know, with this podcast, I'm trying to offer people a different perspective on, um, you know, mental health, spirituality, all these different pieces where um, it, we're not pathologizing. We're not using labels in a way to pathologize because so many, for example, of the clients that I see as a therapist, and especially in the addiction treatment world, where we're working with a lot of people who've had trauma, there's, they see themselves already in such a negative way. I'm broken. Like I'm, I'm just an addict or I'm like bipolar and depressed. You know, they're defining themselves by these diagnoses that they've received. And again, you know, creating like a limitation around that. And I, I can see how with something like human design, you may find some characteristics that, you know, might look like some symptoms of bipolar disorder or anxiety or depression or something, but that maybe it's actually a gift. And is there a way to look at this, not from a pathologizing sort of 
in stigmatizing perspective, but actually what if your tendency for your mind to be so active all the time is actually a gift and how could we harness it to work for you rather than against you? I wonder if that shows up a lot in the work you do. Yeah, I think it does show up a lot. It's it's one of the most powerful things that uh, happened for me in looking at it that I came into it having done a lot of years of therapy and already carrying with me, you know, my stories and my history and and these sort sort of ideas I had about myself and then getting to look at it in this different light that said, "Oh, this this pain is actually because of a sensitivity that you have." And this sensitivity can also um, find a place and find a function in these other ways. And so it doesn't have to be viewed as something that is purely, you know, a wound source or something. So I think that's really powerful. And then the other thing that comes with that too, along with what you're saying, I think is that human design also brings in this notion that we're not, we don't just come into the world as what we are, but we're also on a trajectory in our lives and we're moving through time and space and we're moving with each other. So it really does an amazing job of getting to look at, not only is it about functioning well as what you are, but it's also about finding your right place and context for what you are. Because if you're a bird with big wings, but you're 50 feet underwater, that's probably not gonna function very well. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot in human design that has to do with um, how do you use the awareness and the intelligence of your body to find the right places, the right people, and the right context so that what you are is experienced as a gift rather than as a pathology or a problem. Wow. I love that. That's so much more empowering to look at things from that perspective, right? I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And with human design, um, I think too, trauma keeps popping into my head. You know, when I think about some of the clients I work with who've been so traumatized, um, what can, hum- how does human design, like, can you think of any clients you've worked with who've had that kind of history, a lot of wounding, a lot of trauma? What, what has human design offered them in, in terms of like a different perspective around that particular issue? Mm-hmm. I think it's, um, well, first I would say, you know, having had some experience in, in, the, in the world of psychotherapy and psychology, um, I don't think it, it's a very personal experience to discover how much human design can help with, um, with trauma. And I certainly think that it's not, that's not the core um, function of human design as a system. Um, but what it really shows is it's this kind of dilemma, I think, that happens for most of us in, in the way we come into the world in that when we come in as little beings and we have this certain sort of way of being, it's like each one of us is this unique, funky little creature that we get to find out what is this creature here for? What does it do? If we're met with forces that are willing to or able to see that nature in us and support it and help guide it and develop it and all of that, then you know, we have the potential to grow up with this feeling of, you know, it's good to be me. I I am what I am. And and look, I've got these funky things and they work like this and you've got different funky things and they work like that. And it's all, it's all good. But what a lot of us are met with is certain aspects of our nature that come out that where we're just behaving in a way or moving through life in a way that feels really natural to us. And we're met with 
a reaction from the outside world that's saying um, that's not okay, or of course, even worse, violating us in some way that is, is going very deeply against what feels natural or healthy or okay for us. And, you know, and then we fracture in a way in order to be accepted or to, um, to be accepted and recognized by the people who are supposed to love us or just to manage and cope with the violations we've experienced. Um, we come up with all kinds of deep and complex ways to, to cope. And then uh, part of what I think human design can do as well as a lot of really powerful um, psychotherapy modalities that I've, I've come across is just start to untangle that web of confusion. As I think that's at the root of it for most of us is a sense of just pain and confusion. Um, because I do think most of us come into the world with, with a general sense of, it's good to be me. It's good to be me. It's good to be here. Yeah. And I have a right to be here. And then unfortunately, many of us experience a, a, a life that shows us otherwise. And so I can imagine how you may have clients who then when they understand more about um, the gift they came in with and all of that, how validating that could be like, wow, you know, here's yeah. somebody who's actually is seeing me, the, the authentic, you know, me I came in as, yeah. um, and how wow, just like powerful that can be to be seen and witnessed, you know, when we're in that position of saying like, I see the brilliant being that you are, but maybe you can't see it because of these traumatic things or the responses you got growing up that made you kind of like shut down that part, shut down that gift or shut, you know, turn off your light, so to speak, right? Or turn down, dim yourself in some way. Well, how beautiful it must be for people to finally feel like, oh, wow, yeah, that I that was my essence when I came in, but I got cut off from that in some way. Yes, yeah. There's a fascinating thing that tends to happen in readings where um, I'll often see that I'll, I'll be describing something and the whole point of it is really just to be able to recognize, just to be able to kind of make contact with that core nature that's in the person that I'm talking to. Um, and oftentimes people will have this experience of, oh my God, that's, ex I, I've always known that. That's exactly, yes, that's exactly how it is. The good, the bad, and the ugly, the whole ball, the whole thing. And there can be this sense of this tremendous relief. Like, oh my God, I can just give up. I can give up on trying so hard in all these ways that I've never been able to make it in the world because it's just not what I am. So now I can, thank God I can let all that go. Um, so there's a relief that tends to be there and a kind of almost experience a sort of liberation, letting go in combination with this, oh my God, I can't believe I got so twisted up. I've gotten so twisted up based on all these different experiences and conditioning forces that I've encountered in life. And there can be a kind of grief with that too. It's mm -hmm. like, wow, I haven't, haven't allowed, I didn't know that there wasn't anything wrong with me. And that it was okay <laughs> to right. be who I am and that I could find my way. You know, I didn't know that was that I could do that. So just that alone can be really, I think, healing and can be a, a release. People cry, you know, sometimes people will cry a lot. And I don't even necessarily think it's emotional. It's almost like the um the body just sort of letting go. I knew this therapist who used to say, you know, sadness is the body relaxing. Mm -hmm. It's almost just like just, just, yeah, yeah being able to let go.
finally, yeah, being able to release what we've been holding on to that we didn't even know we were holding on to, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So cool. One more question I want to ask you before we kind of take a deeper dive into what a chart looks like and what it's, what information it's giving us um, is the relational piece. You'd mentioned that before. I would imagine that with human design, when you start looking at how, um, what the chart tells us about how you relate to others might really help a lot of people that are in relationships, you know, whether it's romantic or friendships or familial or whatever, might explain a lot of the dynamics, especially the things that are kind of wonky and not working. Can you speak to that piece, the relational uh, information that a chart might give us? Yeah, uh, this is a part of human design that I that's really fascinating because it's very mechanical in a way. And, you know, you had mentioned astrology before and, and I studied stro- astrology for a while um, early on, but I actually found it really, it's funny because people will say human design looks so complicated. You know, it's, it's, it's a lot of detail, a lot of complicated, but I found that in studying astrology early on, that astrology was much more, felt much more co- complicated and sort of amorphous. There was a lot of interpretation in it. Mm-hmm. And human design for anybody who's well-trained in human design, if you go to anybody who's a well-trained human design analyst, um, it's a very logical, specific, reliable kind of system. You're not, you, you may, you know, you're going to come across people who have their own style in terms of how they transmit it, but the information itself is, is very, um, it's very mechanical. It's very logical. Mm-hmm. So when we look in relationship, one of the first things you'll get to see is as soon as you explain to somebody uh, some of the core, just the basics, uh, the basics of their design, it's one of the most fun things to do. You kind of go through the whole thing. You, you give them a sense of it. And then you say, okay, here's your partner. And you pull up their design and just the visual alone sometimes is shocking. Like, <laughs> wait a minute, you just spent this hour and a half explaining to me this, the way this whole thing works in myself and I resonate with it and I get it and it makes sense. And now you're showing me this other person and it looks so different. And, you know, one of the things that most of us tend to do is we, we really take our gifts for granted we take the things that come naturally, we tend to take the things that come naturally to us for granted. Mm -hmm. And then when we look at other people, we don't understand what it is they're seeing in us because many of us can sort of assume that what comes naturally to us is just what it means to be human. It's just the way it is Mm -hmm. or the way it should be. (laughs) And then you look at somebody else and say, wow, they don't have access to that or they don't function that way or that's just not their priority in terms of how they orient to life at all. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And then we really get to see nobody's good or bad or right or wrong. Everything's just its own thing. And mm-hmm. then from there, we get to find out, so can we get to the truth of whether or not these two things can exist well in the same space together? Mm-hmm. And for how long and how often, <laughs> you know, because it might be, I can have a great relationship with you um, when I see you a few times a year. Right. Or, you know, <laughs> it, it, is pretty challenging to be around somebody 24 hours a day. And I think we have really high expectations of relationship, what a mother's supposed to be, what a good, you know, best friend is supposed to be, what a romantic partner or a soulmate or whatever a marriage is supposed to be. So I think it takes a lot of the pressure off and you get to see that there are a lot of things that go on in relationship that aren't anybody's fault. Yes. It's just mechanical. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it's just not a great fit as much as we may want it. And that's the problem, right? When we have these expectations and this is how it should be or how I should be, 
right? Mm -hmm. And again, we're cutting off perhaps from those natural gifts that we came in because we're trying to be some idea of what we thought we should be, how, um, how that might not work in relationships and why you, I imagine, might see patterns for folks of, I keep uh, picking the one that's not available or I keep ending up in these situations that are not um, healthy for me or whatever it is, you know, there may be some some um, information that a, that a reading can give someone about those patterns. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So we're going to show a human design chart. Mm-hmm. Um, we're actually using mine. <laughs> so um, yeah, that is the, uh, even the graphic is so cool. I love it. So what are we, what are we looking at here? Well, we're looking at a lot of stuff. Um, I actually show, show you this view really briefly, just for anybody out there who knows anything about astrology, this wheel that we see here in human design, we call the rave mandala, but you can see on the inside of it, the astrological signs of the Zodiac. So this is where human design is drawing from that mapping. And, um, this is where we could see, you know, we would say, and astrologers would say you, your, your son is in Scorpio. Um, in human design, we don't really use the signs of the Zodiac for any kind of interpretation. It's really the 64 hexagrams of the I Ching that are the sort of core interpretive thematics for human design. And it they really make um, the interpretation more specific, I would say. Mm-hmm. So we all have access to all of these different themes that we can experience throughout our lives. But based on the moment of our birth, certain of these are imprinted specifically in our form and consciousness in the, in the life we came into at this point. So we would say for so you- So it's like they're energies more so than anything else, right? Is that how we, how we see it? These are different energies that got imprinted on us mm-hmm. at the time of our, our birth? I would say they're more themes. They're more mm-hmm. sort of like storylines, okay. uh, thematics. And then um, when we look at the body graph itself, this is when we get to see more of the life force energy flows. So this is where the way that these different characteristics come together, then start to show us, okay, here's how, you know, these certain energies are going to flow and work. And it's likely that they're also going to incorporate a certain kind of theme with them. That's going to tell us a lot about, um, about, uh, what you're looking at, what you're working with in this lifetime. So let me uh, go back and ask one thing for our, again, for our audience who don't know about the I Ching, what Mm -hmm. is that? The I Ching is probably one of the oldest bodies of written knowledge that we have access to. So it's been around for thousands of years. And uh, in, in, there are people who use it as a divination tool. So, you know, people would throw coins or throw coins and ask a question and then you get to see this thematic. One of the things about the I Ching that is uh, really fascinating to me is that if you really study it, these different themes are actually not very, they're very rich. They're very deep. They're almost like cones, you know? So you could ask a question and you could read, you know, the whatever number hexagram as a thematic about it. And it's it's not likely that it would just be telling you very clearly, you know, yes or no, or what to do or not. You'd kind of have to sit with it like a riddle mm-hmm. and contemplate it a bit mm-hmm. to get to see what does this actually mean? 
And that's where it kind of takes you on a little bit of a trip <laughs> in, in my experience. So the I Ching is this really old body of knowledge. It, it's, um, you know, it's rooted in the basic polarity of yin and yang, you know, the, the, and neither is better or worse. Both are necessary to create this whole material Maya that we live in. Um, and then each one of these, you know, carries a different aspect of nature, basically. Okay that we can experience. So then we get to see here through any individual chart that there are certain of these themes that are imprinted for you. And we get to see not only are they imprinted for you, but they're imprinted either on your consciousness, your, your known self, the self that you identify with and the things that you see in yourself. And they're also imprinted unconsciously through the body in ways that we may not see in ourselves, but other people are likely to be able to see in us. Wow. It's so cool. Wow. So, so what else, what, what else is this telling us? Yeah. So on a really basic level, um, when you first look at this body graph, we have all these different shapes, which we call centers, and these are loosely correlated with what you could think of as chakras, mm -hmm. except that in the human design system, we have nine instead of seven. And that was seen as a point of evolution that we went through. We became nine centered beings. And then we get to see all these pathways, these lines that run between the different centers and, um, and connect them. On the most basic level, when you look at the body graph as a whole, uh, the first thing that you can look at, and this is a very simple thing you could see in your chart and anybody else you know, is that there are certain of these centers and lines running between them that are colored in. Mm -hmm. And initially I would say, you don't really need to worry about what the, co the colors don't necessarily have a lot of significance. But there are certain of these centers and channels running between them that are colored in. And anywhere you see color in the design, it's showing us that these are areas that have a fixed function. They have a fixed way of functioning. Anytime you see a full channel running between two centers, it's showing a sort of like pathway or roadway. And it tends to be something that is fixed in us. It's a gift in us. It's a consistency in us. And it's not very open to influence. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like if you, if you have this, you know, if you have this roadway running or you have this path of energy running, it's kind of like a closed circuit. It's not really mm -hmm. open to be interfered with. Mm -hmm. So if we look at any of the other areas of the chart where you see white, whether that's in these centers or the lines running between them, that's showing us where you have natural flexibility, you have natural mm -hmm. openness, which means the way you behave and what you do through these open areas is likely to be broader it's likely to be, um, to have more range and it's also likely to be more receptive and more easily influenced by the forces around you. So the funny thing that tends to happen to most of us, uh, through conditioning in life is we tend to come into the world and then get feedback that we should try to make the fixed parts of us more flexible and try to make the open parts of us more reliable and consistent. Mm -hmm. And then we can't really accomplish either um, very well. Yeah, so a lot of human design looking at a chart is getting to sort this out. And just for you to get mm -hmm. to see, because you have a, a pretty highly fixed design. So we could say in a way, you have a lot of gifts. There's uh, some complexity to it. There are some different objectives. There are some forces with different objectives going on simultaneously. So there's a, there's a rich kind of inner dance, we could say, that's going on inside of you. Mm -hmm. And um, a certain kind of rigidity. Now, mm -hmm. rigidity could be seen as 
um, negative. Rigidity could be seen as difficult. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've gotten that. Feedback oh, yeah. Before. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sure I you've heard a lot of people say like once or twice. Somebody yeah. suggested that you were difficult. Yeah. Most of the time when I see that people get that feedback, especially women, it usually means that you're difficult to control. Yes. You're difficult to influence. And that's mm-hmm. why you're difficult to mm-hmm. certain people. Really yeah. what it's saying is this is a fixed nature with its own objectives and its own, its own flow that is not super highly receptive to, you know, being, um, being managed, controlled, influenced, told what to do, um, interfered with in a way. The fixed parts of us tend to not really want to be interfered with. They just want to be expressed. Mm. So just to give you a contrast, this is my design. Mm. Wow. It looks so, so different. Right. See, and without even knowing very much, you can just, just from that little bit that I said about, you know, having openness and flexibility or having fixedness in a certain life force flow, you can look at these two charts and be like, wow, well, what is this? This is a very different creature we're dealing with. (laughs) Um, Very different. So, and there are certain kinds of advantages and challenges, you know, with both, with all, with all. Um, tell me more about the, the left side. So you have the design side, which you said the left, the red ones in red there, that column, right. We're more about the body. So, yes. so what do we under, what do we learn about bodies and how our bodies are and the energy of our bodies is, is working here. Mm-hmm. It is about, um, it is about the body, but it's also just about the unconscious we could say. Mm-hmm. And it's not, there isn't a sort of ethic in human design that we should make what is unconscious in us more conscious. It's almost more saying that these are things that we will tend not to see in ourselves because they're so automatic. Mm. You know, it's like, you don't spend most of your time noticing your heartbeat or, you know, noticing your eyes blinking. Like there are things that are, there are certain things that the body is just doing. There are certain flows of energy that are just happening. And it, it's more likely that other people may see these things in you. Um, For any of us on this design side, other people may reflect it back to us or find it striking or find it interesting Mm. um, that we have something that's like, we don't spend much time. Most of us wouldn't necessarily spend a lot of time paying, paying attention to some things that just happen automatically. If you're used to having, you know, long fingers, you're not thinking about that a lot, but somebody else could come along and say, wow, you've really, you've really got something going on there. And most of us will then be like, oh, I do. I'm, I thought I was just breathing. I was, thought I was just living. I thought I was just being me. Um, so the, these are just the things that we tend to not see in ourselves as easily. Whereas on this black side, the personality side, these tend to be the characteristics that we um, more easily identify with. Mm, I would think there's a lot of discovery then perhaps to be had when we Mm-hmm. are looking at the that left column and not mm-hmm. realizing how um, we're not aware of how those qualities are impacting, especially the relational piece, right? Yeah. Like if you're seeing in me something that I can't even see in myself, like yes. I can see how that might create some friction in relationships or challenges mm-hmm. or something. So if I can look maybe or become more aware of some of those things on the red in the red column, like maybe that's going to mm-hmm. benefit me and how 
just having that information, I might then start to understand my partner better or my friend and why, oh, maybe this is why we've been having some challenges in some arena, right? Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, and I, if you, would you like an example from your design? Sure, yeah. Yeah. So there's something interesting we can do um, in looking at a chart where I could show you what your design looks like just on the conscious side. Mm, so if okay. we were to take away the unconscious side and just look at the conscious side, your design would look like this, uh-huh. which is slightly more open. And when we look at just what's on the conscious side, this is usually a clearer picture of what we think we are. Mm. So this would be more likely the design that you would identify with. And one sort of very broad generalization I could make about this would be to say, this design is of someone who has a very powerful, charismatic, intuitive energy that can move very fast and get a lot done and has a very sharp, insightful, uh, efficient mind. Um, yep, true all story. Of, yeah, true story, <laughs> right? All of these things are highly um, individual, I would say, meaning that the orientation of all of these definitions that you have here is very much about empowerment, self-empowerment, empowerment of others, truth, clarity, knowing, efficiency. Um, it's a kind of elevated uniqueness, I would say, values uniqueness and values the truth. Yes. Um, and not very compromising. No. <laughs> you know, it's like, this is an energy that is empowered to do what it needs to do in a powerful way with a sharp mind, with a sharp, yes. smart mind. But if I bring in the design side mm -hmm. and the way that, and even if you see a channel that's half black and half red, we would still say this is mostly, un this is unconscious because the full channel is not conscious to you. Mm -hmm. So if we bring in the design side, this channel that we see here brings in fuel for feeling fuel to emotional experience and to emoting to, um, for, for passion. And also in this particular channel, this is a channel that's very oriented toward tribal support, closeness, need, how we support each other, um, how close we are to each other, whether or not we really touch each other. Um, it has to do with our basic needs, like food, shelter, water, touch, contact. It's very human. It's very, it's very emotional. It's very sensitive to belonging, whether we feel we belong or not, very sensitive to rejection as well, and very principled and um, committed in a way to mutually supportive relating. Um, so if you didn't know this about yourself, or if this, this is probably not the part of you that you would lead with, right? This is not the first thing, you know, that's going to come out, but as we, you know, go get under the surface, we can also see this is something that doesn't go straight to the throat, which means that it's kind of under the surface because the throat is where everything comes out and gets expressed. Right. So you could be the kind of person who maybe it takes time, it takes slowing down, it takes a feeling of safety and belonging to be able to really feel and explore how you feel, to, yeah, yeah. Um, to be touched by someone, to let someone in and, and feel close. And, you know, that's natural for a lot of us, but 
there are people who lead with this. Mm-hmm. There are people who have designs and it's like they walk into a room and their, their sensitivity, their need for belonging, the way that they feel, it comes right out. And you can see, wow, this is a deep emotional feeling, you know, tribey kind of person. But mm-hmm. for you, it would be likely be something that we'd, we'd see under the surface. You know? Yeah, I'd say that's pretty spot on. So cool. So much and so much information. My gosh, like how, so, so when someone like takes courses in this and and learns how to do it, I mean, I would imagine it's, it's quite in depth and it takes a a long time, I would think to really learn the intricacies of the system. Yeah, it does take a long time. I mean, if you, um, you know, I probably studied and played, I had a counseling practice and sort of studied and played with this, working with it in my practice. But um, initially I used it in a way where I would sort of treat somebody according to their design without really explaining it all to them. I would, I was kind of experimenting with, based on what I knew about their design, how I could hold them and relate to them in a way that would um, really empower and support their nature. Um, but i I probably spent seven years really um, going deep. Um, but you know, that's part of my nature as well is that um, it's not so easy for me to, to promote or explain something unless not even that I just know the information, but I sort of have to verify it through my own body mm-hmm. and my own experience. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, it, it, you know, it takes years at least, yeah. you know, a I few years imagine. at least, if not more. And, you know, the, there's so much out there now. I mean, if for any, anybody who's really interested in this, you can probably get access to almost any information you wanted on Facebook or online or different people's web, websites. So it's not necessarily um, that difficult to get access to all the information, but it definitely takes time to, to really learn how to interpret it and how to um, transmit it with a certain amount of depth and, and understanding. Love it. Anything else then with this visual that um, is important for us to know? Or because I feel like you gave us a pretty good overview. I'm sure there are way more layers to it, but yeah. just in kind of an initial look here, is there anything else you want to share about uh, a chart? What it look, what it's telling us? I mean, I really would just say, um, yeah, there's a there's a ton more detail that we could go into, but that that bit that I just did with you is is pretty standard for what I you know, what I would explain to anybody in the, in the beginning of a reading, just to Mm -hmm. have a basic understanding of what you're looking at. And then if you were to go deeper with an analysis, it would really be about getting to look at what each one of these centers is about, what it relates to in the body, what it relates to in our functioning, and then what each of these channels is about, you know, each of these themes, each one of these is a little, you know, kind of characteristic. It's a little piece of us that, um, that's there, whether we know it or not, whether we like it or not. And, um, and then we get to learn more about the specific dynamics of all of this and the synthesis of it. And then, you know, the other thing that you can see, which uh, tends to come a little bit later is that there is um, something in design that's called the incarnation cross and the profile. And that says something about what Ra called the kind of mythology of our lives. It's Mm -hmm. like the hero's journey. This is the hero. This is sort of the hero frequency that you're here to be. And everybody's got one. So it's not like anybody's special or more special than anybody else. It's just everybody's got this um, specific mythology that we can get to live out. But often in order to get to that, we've, we've really got to understand how this open, openness in us um, 
has become a, a source of mental distraction and confusion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so um, in human design, we call that the uh, part of what we get to see through the design is both the true nature and what we would call the not self, um, which is really kind of the alter ego we develop to deal with and cope with life. Um, so getting to understand that is usually a, a huge uh, liberation. I would imagine, and a huge path toward healing and um, and just being, I want to say more of like effective and efficient in the world, right? If I get, if I can get over the not me that, you know, is sticking me and I can really acknowledge my natural gifts, you know, that, that maybe I'm not aware of, right? Um, that the path forward then might become a lot clearer and, um, and easier to get to wherever it is we're trying to get to, right? Because, I mean, you know, the, the visual that comes to mind is those little um, Roombas, right? You know, like when the little floor vacuum cleaner, it hits a wall and it's, sometimes it's banging itself against the wall going nowhere. I think a lot of us are going through life like that. You know, we're stuck in a corner and can't get, get ourselves out. I would, I would, I can see how in a system like this, suddenly there's just a shift, a slight shift in orientation that then the thing can go about its way and do its job. Like, Exactly. It's a funny exactly. metaphor, but that's kind of what comes up. It's, it's a great one. And it's like, sometimes that's all you need is you just got to just got to turn that thing a little bit, you know, and, yeah. let it, and let it start to move again, you know? Yeah. yeah. Such I, amazing information. My goodness. And I just love the way that um, it's so clear that, you know, you, the depth with which you have explored this within yourself and how, what a gift that is to be able to share with others as well and sit with them in this very open space. I can tell where you're very, you know, again, you're, you're not looking at anything as good or bad or right or wrong. And just being with someone when we can be that space for a client, um, what a tremendous, uh, um, space that is for someone to, to heal and to start seeing themselves through in a different light. And like, just, it's hard to even speak about it, but you know what I'm talking about? Like, really witnessing someone like unfolding and like this is the this is you and you is beautiful like what yeah. if you're not as effed up as you think you are like right. I yeah. love that I love that about the work that we do so yeah, yeah. um so Amy if people want to find out more about you um uh, obviously it sounds like they can do readings with you you teach classes in this like how can they discover more yeah, there's, there are a lot of resources out there. So um, my personal website is hollow human design. It's H O L O humandesign.com. You can find me there and the, the readings that I offer. Um, if you haven't had a reading before a foundation reading is, is the best place to start. And even if you've been studying or you've learned a lot, there's so much human design out there. Now, a lot of people are talking about it. So even if you know a bit, um, it's a uh, foundation reading. If you have never had a reading with me before is a good place to start. Um, I also do a lot of work with uh, my partner, John Cole, through um, what we call the Human Design Collective. And so if you go to humandesigncollective.com, there are workshops, courses, blog, podcasts, um, and some other resources. So that can be a, a great place to get to explore if you want to do some research and look around on your own. Yes. Um, yes, you have your own podcast on, on this topic yes, as well. Yes. yes, it's kind of a human design geek podcast. It's actually um, a place where um, we do a lot of interviewing, mostly of um, human design uh, teachers and people who've been working with it for, you know, like 20 years or more. Mm -hmm. And and so 
it's a, um, yeah, it's a rich geeky place to hang out. Once you, if you start going down the human design rabbit hole, yeah, yeah. you might enjoy <laughs> that, but you know, I love conversations like this because, um, there are so many, so many ways we can synthesize all these different views in life and, um, all these different healing modalities. And I can see that you're, you're quite a synthesizer, um, too. So, I, I love that. I think that's really important work to be doing um, to have a holistic sense of what's going on for us here. So mm -hmm. thank you for doing that. Oh, thank you. This has been such an amazing conversation. It's making me want to go deeper with it and <laughs> schedule a reading. So, um, so we'll put all that information in the show notes so people can easily find you. Um, any final thoughts for us on anything we've talked about today? I would just say... Um, no, not necessarily. Just love yourself. Take your time, you know, trust yourself, get whatever support or allyship you need in life. We all need it. We're living in a crazy time in this world. So um, I think it's a really, it's a really important time to get to connect with the forces that feel like uh, a communion of awareness. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you. Um, yeah. And thank you all for tuning in, listening, watching. If you like this podcast, please do share it with others. Click like, comment, all that stuff so that we can get this out there, information out there in the hands of more people so that people can empower themselves to know there are many, many ways to look at mental health through all different kinds of lenses um, and many, many paths to healing and wholeness. So thank you everyone. See you next time. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.